This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Peak Northwest, an outdoors and travel podcast by The Oregonian and Oregon Live, dedicated to the adventure and exploration of our beautiful Pacific Northwest. I'm Jamie Hale. And I'm Jim Ryan. And together we take you to some of the most beautiful and interesting destinations in our region, discussing where to go, what to do, and places to see. And today we're bringing you something a little different than usual. A story of survival in the Oregon outdoors, a story about what not to do, but also what to do if you find yourself in a hairy situation. On a recent episode about snow camping, we issued a warning about driving down remote forest roads in the winter where it can be really easy to get stuck and stranded in the snow. And, you know, we hear stories all the time about people who get their cars stuck in the snow And unfortunately, a lot of those stories end in tragedy. But today we have a story with a happy ending, thanks to some good preparation and a little bit of luck. It's a story of two teenagers who set off in search of some hot springs, only to find themselves stuck on the back roads of the Willamette National Forest, where they ended up spending two nights stranded in their car. And here to tell us that story today is one of those two folks, Henry Backus, a student at Grant High School in Portland. Henry, how are you? I'm I'm doing great. Good to hear it, my man. Uh, glad to have you with us. Set this up for us. What was your plan going into this trip uh, before things kind of went a little bit sideways? Yeah, this was about the last week of January. We had just been looking to, um, you know, get out of Portland. We'd been wanting to go to a hot springs for a while, you know, just trying to find a place that was close by, you know, also in the combination of with COVID and everything, you know, you don't want to go to a popular spot. And so we'd been, we've been trying to, you know, it's been something we wanted to do for a while. Um, and we found this one place um, and we found a, you know, a few days section where we both didn't have work and where school wasn't too intense. And so, um, our initial plan was just to drive down to um, McKady Hot Springs, which are just to the east of Eugene, and then you know go to the hot springs at night, go over to Hobo Campground, spend the night there, and then drive up the next day back to Portland. When you say we, Henry, this is you and your your girlfriend, is that right? Yeah, yeah, me and Matisse. So you're you're driving out there. Um, I mean, you you did you have some, at least some some nice nights bef- before all of this went down, or or did you pretty much get right into that situation? Yeah, no. I mean, um, we had just finished up finals, and so you know the school was starting up again, and so we had you know an empty up week. We were like, oh, let's go do this. So, uh, you know, she got off work around uh, eight or nine o'clock at night. And we had, you know, pre-packed up everything. So she just stopped by my house. We loaded up the car and uh, we started driving down. And what was it that kind of got you into this hairy situation? Uh, Walk us through it. You you follow in Google. Did you make a wrong turn? Uh, You know, what kind of uh, started things going sideways? Um, Well, I would say, honestly, 
it was our um our campground selection um that w- that was the main thing um we were just trying to find a free campground and obviously uh this time of year you know a campground that's open is kind of hard to find um and i guess the first place where we screwed up is we pre-planned it in advance um and so you know just doing the routes on google maps planning out the campground um we picked the you know the open campground that was closest to the um to the hot springs but um what we didn't realize until we were you know just about to leave to drive to the campground is you know the the hot springs and the campground were only like 26 miles apart but um and you know on google maps when we plugged it in they were close but uh that implied that we were going to uh the campground through eugene and not going on this little side quest to go to the hot springs i guess and so you know what we initially thought would be a 20 minute drive to the campground was an hour and 30 minutes because we had to go across you know the mountain ridge kind of separating these two sides um and then also to you know we looked at the forecast for the campground but we didn't look at the forecast for the you know the forest service roads we were driving across so i would say that was kind of you know the thing that started this whole thing off so take us through it. You're winding your your way through these back forest roads. Um, I think you know some of us have been there before. These these really narrow, kind of not necessarily well maintained roads. What's happening? What's the weather look like? What is that situation like when you're out there? So with the Forest Service roads, I guess I learned the trick with you. Um, if you keep your Google Maps browser, you know, if you have the app on your phone and you're using Google Maps, if you keep it open even after you go out of service, it'll be downloaded on there and you can continue on the route. It'll still show you as long as you have GPS connection. And, you know, I've had a few kind of forest service road adventures with Google maps before. And so, you know, I saw the, it said it was going to take us like an hour and 40 minutes to get there. And, you know, it was already like midnight. And so we stopped and we got a full tank of gas right before we started heading up. But, um, you know, at first it was just kind of like, oh, you know, it's going to be a long drive. Um, in my past experience with the Forest Service roads, you know, it's always Google Maps always say it's going to take way longer, way longer to get there. You know, I've experiences with Mount Adams, like, you know, Google Maps says it's going to be a six hour drive through some Forest Service roads. And if you're if you're in a four wheel drive vehicle, you can get there in an hour and a half, you know. So we were kind of going into it all confident, like, oh, you know, well turn on the high beams and just kind of blast through it. Um, but the uh, roads just kept on uh, gaining gaining elevation and it was raining down lower and it kind of turned to snow. And we were like, oh, that's really cool. You know, this was before the whole Portland snowstorm. So it was like, oh, the first <laughs> snow, like what a double adventure. We got the hot springs and we got the snow. Um, and we had brought some chains with us. And we were, you know, we were talking like, oh, do you think we should put the chains on? And I was thinking like, oh, you know, we're not going to be driving this for too long. It's just going to, you know, a quick pop through. And we were both pretty tired too. You know, it's been a long day working the hot springs. We had an audio book on. And so we were just kind of wanting to go to bed. And, you know, as the elevation increased and increased, you know, and the time ticked down on the Google Maps, the snow just kept on piling up and it was, it was really pretty to be honest, you know, we were just kind of having a good time. And then we kind of came around this one corner. Um, we'd been driving in the valley, kind of not a valley exactly, but just a space between, um, you know, 
two small hills where we were all enclosed by some trees. Um, and so, you know, snow drift, I hadn't really piled up, you know, we were pretty well shielded from the snow. And at this point, um, the snow's really coming down, you know, you can't see too well, you know, the wipers are on full speed, but it's still kind of hard to see. Um, we kind of came around this one corner and it was real out in the open. You know, there was a hill to our left and to the right of that, it was all the trees were down below the ledge of the road. And so lots of snow had been blown up there and piled up there. And uh, that's where we got stuck and started, you know, being like, oh, we might have we might have messed up. This isn't the greatest. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. So once you knew you were stuck, how did you folks react? How, how were you feeling uh, kind of in that moment there? Um, well, you know, it was 2 a.m. and we were pretty tired. Um, so we were kind of just like, oh, shoot, you know, mm -hmm. you know, we got stuck. I was kind of regretting that we took, you know, the Ford Escape and not, you know, a truck instead. Um, but at the same time, too, you know, we had the chains and between skiing and just other adventures, you know, been snuck in the snow. You know, your car gets stuck in the snow. You know, that happens often enough. So I just kind of thought it was like a routine mundane thing. Um, and we got out. And our first reaction, I guess, was um, to put the chains on and try and get out. But, you know, putting chains on and like eight inches of powdered snow, it's quite a process. And especially these chains weren't the greatest. They didn't fit that great. And, you know, just first, you know, your car has to be moving to get the chains on. So we were digging it out and, you know, it was snowing and snowing and it was really cold. The wind was blowing. And so it was just kind of, kind of one of those unpleasant things that you have to do, but you just do it. And so at that point it was more just like, I really want to go to bed and not be here, but, uh, you know, you got to do what you got to do. You mentioned it was pretty late at night at that point, you know, two in the morning, did you stay up all through the night trying to get out? Did you just sort of resign and go to bed? What did you do at that point? So I think that's another point where we messed up, actually. Um, we were digging out the car and um, trying to get the chains on until about 3 a.m. And it was still snowing at that point. We hadn't had much success. You know, I'd brought a headlamp, but the battery died or it got too wet um, and it died. And so we didn't really have much light. and we were on an incline and uh because of that the gas gauge gave us a wrong reading and we kind of panicked for a quick second because we had uh you know because uh you know being on the incline you know with the little floater thing in the gas in the gas tank it said that we had a half tank of gas left even though we had just filled up so we were you know slightly worried that we'd just been burning up all our gas and so i think what we should have done is just persevered through the night and gotten the chains on and tried to get out while the snow was still snowing. Cause I think that was the first snow of, in that area. But, um, around 3 AM, you know, we just decided, oh, we're both really tired. It's hard to see. We can't really see what we're doing. You know, let's just deal with this tomorrow when we have the light. And so we, you know, got out our blankets inside of the car, moved everything up into the front seats, made sure all the lights were off and, um, went to bed. And that was, that was kind of another one of those, ooh, you know, we shouldn't have done that. Because when we woke up, we peeked outside and there was probably, I don't know, two and a half feet of fresh snow surrounding all of the car. 
and you know trying to open the door and just you know kicking on it we were just like oh i wish i wish we had just gotten out that night it was just um it was kind of a realization i was just like oh we might be here for a while i would say though that first night falling asleep um and not being in the campground that was probably the out of all the nights out of all the time there that was at least for me that was the most stressful just because we'd gone camping with that car before and we'd had uh the battery die once for no real apparent reason so just with that and um at the same time too you know the whole uh missing for 24 hours rule where you know like it's gonna be a while before people look for you and just kind of like oh you know if something goes wrong right now this is you know the the worst time that it could happen and then also to just kind of coming to terms that we were in this situation so the first night at least for me was definitely the most stressful but um you know waking up it was kind of one of those moments where you just kind of laugh to yourself i guess but it's not a good laugh you're just like ah it's gonna be a quite an adventure gosh I imagine that that's one of those circumstances, Henry, where you kind of have to like take stock of what's around you, right? I mean, this turns into a survival situation, not just a car being stuck Mm -hmm. situation. So, I mean, did you kind of look around your car? I mean, what did you have with you? You know, having packed up the car recently, we both kind of knew everything that was there. You know, we did definitely, especially for trying to just dig out of the snow. We did lots of that. Um, in terms of what we had with us, uh, we both had two changes of clothes. My biggest regret personally of something I didn't bring was uh, wool socks. I had one pair of cotton socks. I forgot my wool socks on my desk and uh, I was missing them the entire time. But I was lucky enough to have brought in boots and a warm jacket. And my girlfriend had some gloves. In terms of food, you know, this is one of the things I think we are very lucky with. We went to the store because we were we figured, oh, we wanted to make eggs Benedict for breakfast the morning after we did the hot springs before driving back. And so I bought a dozen eggs, some um, Canadian bacon and a full thing of English muffins. And I would say that was the big thing, like, you know, having a surplus of food. And then we had our camping stove, lots of extra um, butane gas containers. I had brought a large butane ceramic heater. Um, and we had that there the entire time we were, um, after the, after the first morning, you know, when we were kind of looking through the car, we decided that, uh, we were going to save that in case we, uh, ran out of gas or the battery died and we were just really cold. So we put that aside. The campsite we were going to had a big fire pit. And so we had brought some firewood and I'd say that was, you know, one of the things that we were saving as well. We were just thinking that, uh, you know, in a few days, you know, maybe two or three days when people started coming to look for us, either we could just build a really big fire or, um, you know, I've gotten stuck before and, uh, you know, having either plywood or rubber sheets or even just logs that you can kind of kick under the tires and jam in there, the hole that you dig out when it's real muddy, that can be helpful for getting unstuck. So we were saving the firewood as well, you know, to build a big fire but also if we ever got really, really stuck. Another two things were trash bags. We had lots of trash bags and shopping bags that were made out of plastic. And so, um, you know, when digging ourselves out, 
we just get all covered in snow and especially getting the, the snow out from underneath the car, you know, you'd have to lie down and just kick it out because we didn't have a snow shovel or anything. Um, and so our pants would just get covered in snow. And um, if we stayed outside, then it would be fine because, you know, it was below freezing. But if we went inside the car, it'd start to melt, you know, it's all cotton clothing. So it would just really make you chilly. And so um, I ripped two holes in the bottom of the trash bag and kind of made like a trash bag waterproof. It wasn't really waterproof pants. It was more of just like a waterproof diaper. And then we tried to make gloves or waterproof gloves out of the shopping bags, but um, that just kind of got in the way. And especially with trying to put on the chains the next day, um, you know, you needed that finger dexterity, but your fingers did get very, very cold. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, Henry, we want to hear a little bit about how you folks ended up getting out of the situation. But first, we're going to take a short break. All right, folks, we are back with Henry Backus, a student at Grant High School in Portland, who got into a little bit of a quagmire while searching out some hot springs. Henry, pick us back up where we left off here. You're still stuck in the car. You've done one night out. How long did this last? Kind of stuck in the snow on this back road. It was just the the two nights, the three days. So the the first day, um, I guess the first day stuck. We, uh, you know, we woke up. Um, we had a screenshot of uh, a forecast for the campground we were staying at, and we kind of made the assumption that okay, you know, it said it was supposed to be this many degrees um, last night, and we had the car temperature reading of what the temperature actually was, and so we subtracted from that. And we, um, you know, we were able to see that, oh, you know, there's a chance that today and tomorrow, the first day stuck and the second day stuck, that it'll be above freezing. But um, Friday, which would have been the third day, it was supposed to snow even at the campground that we were staying at. And so we were like, okay, we really need to get out of here by then because, you know, if it was snowing at the campground we were supposed to make it to, then it's really going to be snowing here. And so we kind of realized that, you know, the next few days were going to be the warmest um with, with the snow melting and so uh the first kind of order of business was digging you know a big area around the car so that we had room to move the car back and forth and getting the chains on and so just using uh our feet and our hands mainly you know we kicked out you know a two-foot area around the car that went all the way down close to the ground um and then after a few hours you know, of digging and moving the car. Um, cause you know, when it's slipping and sliding in the snow, it's kind of hard to get a straight drive onto the chains. Um, mm -hmm. it took a while. We did one at a time, but we got them on and we, we, we decided to put them on the front wheels. Um, cause it, it's a four wheel drive car, but still have them on the front wheels is kind of nice for driving around. And then it was a one way road. And so, you know, we were still facing up towards the campground and, you know, we were, you know, wanting to head back and with the car, um, just between, you know, trying to look through the back, the back window. And then also to, with the angle of attack, getting through all the deep snow, um, the angle of the attack of the car, you know, how it meets up with the ground and the deep snow, we, we were thinking that, oh, if we're going forward, 
you know, it's going to be a lot better for not getting stuck. And so we dug a big path back kind of, I guess, in you know, in the shape that you would make a, a Y turn to, you know, mm-hmm. drive into someone's driveway, then get out to get turned around while you're driving. We kind of carved one of those paths out of the snow. And then, you know, that took another hour or two or so. You know, we made some, we had some fresh pasta with pesto. We cooked that up um, and we got the car turned around. And then that's kind of when the, um, the routine began, I guess, of just driving forward, getting stuck, digging the car out, driving forward, getting stuck, digging the car out. The main problem was it was just, there was uh, so much snow on the road that um, even if you didn't get stuck, you know, in just terms of the wheels spinning, the car would be pushing so much snow in front of it that it would just slow down to the point where the wheel spin would get it stuck. And so uh, we started uh, stopping the car right before it got stuck so that we didn't have to dig out the wheels as much. You know, they wouldn't dig their own holes. We just have to knock off all the snow on the front of the car and dig out the wheels a bit. Um, we're not having a snow shovel and also to all the snow getting stuck under the car, it would kind of um, beach itself in the middle of the road. And it's kind of hard to dig out underneath the car. So we ended up, I ended up going and uh, breaking a stick off a tree. And mm. especially with the, as it started to ice up, you know, it melt in the day and then it would, freeze and turn into ice at night for breaking up the ice in the lower layers of the snow and getting down into the dirt the stick was actually really helpful um i actually ended up bringing that stick back with me and it's still in my room once it dries out all the way i think i'll probably hang it up on my wall or something but um after you know after we got the car turned around um we were able to trace back our route you know there were lots of you know the forest service roads you know they split off in every which direction with some crazy hairpins um but we were able to we still had the google maps loaded up and we didn't have the route but we were able to look at the roads and look at the landmarks and figure out which way we came and slowly you know we just made it back i'd say the first day that we got the chains on we probably made it at the most maybe half a mile uh before you know it got really really dark and we were just you know exhausted and dead from kicking snow and digging all day and so that night you know we slept really good just went to bed we both brought a knitting project but our hands were too uh shaky and sore to do any knitting so we quickly put that aside and just had a some graham crackers and i think we actually had a a downloaded episode of a of a tv show on my ipad and we watched that went to bed um and oh, that night too. Actually, um, there was no clouds, and so we went on a little a little walk in the snow and looked at the stars. At this point, like you know, we'd stopped really worrying about, I guess you know, the stress of what our parents think, you know, of them being worried. Like we were like, oh, you know, I hope they don't get too worried. But it was more just like, oh, you know, it sucks that we're here, but we are here, and there's only one thing that we really have to worry about. You know, I guess in your day-to-day life, you have a a billion different things that you're trying to, you know, do at the same time. And here it was, 
almost kind of relaxing because there was just the one thing to do and it was important that you did it. And so you just did it until you couldn't do it anymore. And then just remembering, you know, everything else you're supposed to do when you get, when you get stranded out there, you know, trying our best to save gas, doing our best to not let the battery die. Uh, we would have this rotation changing out our clothes for dry clothes and then putting the wet clothes on the defroster um, and then using the defroster on full heat to dry them out. And that worked fairly well. Um, the problem was if we left them on there overnight, then the condensation from us sleeping inside of the car would get them soaking wet again. But I was very happy I brought my boots. But that, that second night was much more relaxed than the first night. We had made progress. We'd gotten the car out and we decided to sleep in the next day um, just because we were so sore. And also because, uh, you know, we didn't bring any coffee. And then I personally am on um, Adderall for ADHD and a few other medications. And um, I only brought one day's worth of medication. And so that second day, I went into Adderall withdrawal. And so I just woke up, you know, sore from shoveling snow all day caffeine withdrawal adderall with adderall withdrawal just a splitting headache so you know we had some we had some advil and some tylenol i took some of that um we made eggs benedict you know have a nice relaxed morning um and then we got to digging and that second day you know we were able to make it much more farther before we got stuck you know the the previous day we probably got stuck eight or nine times um, and had to dig ourselves out that. And the second day it was just three or four before we finally, you know, had that last little breakout and it was, you know, a few miles of snow driving. And then we made it onto the gravel roads. We popped off the chains and we just started driving down. We were, you know, super happy that we'd finally made it out really relieved, looking forward to the shower, you know, getting ready to, call our parents and be like hey sorry and you know at this point we were like thinking oh you know maybe my dad is down here in the truck looking for us but aside from that we didn't think you know there'd be anything else um and then we're driving down the roads heading heading towards oak ridge and uh i get one bar of service which wasn't enough to call anyone but it was enough to receive texts and I look down at my phone and there's, I think, 175 new messages. And the top five are from like the FBI, the Civil Air Patrol, the U.S. Air Force, the search and rescue, just all saying, hey, you've been reported a missing person. Please respond immediately. And then the weirdest thing, the kind of realization where it set in was uh, we were driving and there's these people pulled on the side of the road. And I you know, drove past them fast and they were just jumping. And I thought they were like having a little, they were like just jamming out really hard or like having a good time or like really upset about something. But then the car, you know, after a while, it like showed up in our, my rear view mirror and it was just blasting towards us and they were honking their horn and they pulled up upside to us. And so I pulled over and got out and it was uh, two of Matisse's friends and they just ran up to us and grabbed us in a hug and we're like oh my god thank god you guys are all right and we were like oh shoot uh-oh we really got people worried and sure enough we drove back into oak ridge and in the 
Best Western Inn parking lot. There must have been like uh, a few hundred people. It was the most of my, you know, most, the largest group of people I've seen who have just been, you know, you know, people, you know, right. It was just the largest group of people I've known since the beginning of COVID all in one place, you know, just, it was kind of like a giant party, I guess, except everybody was really worried. You know, I remember pulling into the parking lot and, you know, just giving my mom a hug and being like, oh, you know, you were right. You can say, I told you so. Cause in the very beginning she was, she was worried about the weather. She was like, it's too cold to go camping. And so I was like, mom, mom, you can say it. You can say it. She was like, I told you so, you know, I let her have that one. Then just doing the reviews with the sheriffs and saying hi to everybody. But at that point I was just really exhausted. Um, you know, my body was just dead. My hands were hurting, but I made it back. Henry, thank you so much for taking the time to tell us that story. That's a, an incredible story. And I, I think I can speak for all of us when I say that we're just so happy that you two survived and are here to tell us that story. So thank you so much again for coming on and talking about it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Henry, thanks so much. Really glad you folks are both doing okay and that you took a little bit of time here to share your story with us today. So Jamie, now that we've kind of heard the entirety of this story here, what are some of maybe the the upshots, the takeaways that you had from how Henry and his partner made their way out of this seemingly in good spirits and also, more importantly, in good health? Yeah, I mean, like we said at the, the top, you know, it, it took some good preparation and a little bit of luck to really make sure they got out of there safe. Um, I mean, having those chains was crucial. Having a little bit of experience in the snow, it sounds like really helped them out as well. And that, that, that stock of food they had, the camp stove, the extra fuel, the full tank of gas, those are all things that really, really helped them out. Um, of course, hindsight's 2020. You can also look back at, you know, as, as Henry was and, and look at some of the things that they could have done differently or some supplies they could have had. Um, you know, I, I can just imagine he was, you know, in that first night thinking back to those wool socks on his desk. Oh man, I felt for him in that moment. That, that must have been really tough. Um, having a snow shovel, of course, would have also been super helpful. Um, you know, it, it just kind of goes to show that, that there is really a lot of preparation that you need to take into consideration when going into these more remote areas of the forests in the wintertime. Like you said, it wasn't raining when they left. Um, but by the time they got up to those higher elevations, it was full out snowing. And that's something that, Maybe you don't expect to happen, but you need to at least anticipate the possibility of that happening. And it, it goes to a couple things we've talked about here on the show, Jamie, is we didn't talk specific roads or, you know, exactly where he and Matisse were when they got stuck. But Google Maps is not the end all be all for your planning, especially in the wintertime. You know, it can can take you on some routes that would be perhaps even tenuous or difficult in warmer, drier months, uh, let alone in the middle of the wintertime when, uh, you know, snow may have been piling up previously. Snow may be falling at elevations where it's colder and that precipitation is falling at rain uh, at a lower elevation. You know, who knows? There could be down trees or, or anything that could block your path. Moral of the story is to try to do as much research as you can on the front end 
to make sure you can avoid uh, kind of getting yourself into a hairy situation uh, while you're actually out traveling those back roads. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I'm not anti-Google Maps by no, any stretch of the I. imagination. I use it, you know, uh, constantly. Um, and, I, you know, it, it's put me into some some tough situations before. Nothing in snow. Um, but, you know, I've been, you know, guided down some pretty rough roads in Hell's Canyon and um, had to turn around and, um, you know, find my way back. It, it You know, it's an extremely useful tool that's not useful 100% of the time. Um, and that's why looking at forest maps or, um, you know, having paper maps sometimes is helpful. Um, or, you know, talking to the forest service of the area where you're going to say, Hey, this is my plan. I want to go here and then go to here on this route. And they can tell you, you know, Hey, that's a, that's a great idea. It looks good. Or they can tell you, boy, you need to try a different idea because that is just not a good idea right now. So like you said, Jim, doing as much planning but ahead of time and using as many resources as possible, I think is definitely the way to go. You know, but like these kinds of stories can happen honestly to any of us. You know, all of us think that we're prepared and experienced in, in these situations. Um, but it's, it's really easy for people to get caught up in these situations. You know, all it takes is just you know, a little bad luck and maybe a little oversight in a couple areas. And all of a sudden you're trying to dig your car out of the snow on one of these back forest roads. And, and I was impressed with their acumen of, of how to handle the situation, mm-hmm. conserving gas, you know, saying, okay, we have some supplies that we're going to save for later in case things get really bad. Um, you know, Henry described kind of digging out like a, a Y type turnaround trench uh, or trenches to, you know, allow them uh, kind of space to turn their vehicle around and start going downhill. And I thought they made a lot of smart decisions um, that allowed them to be able to kind of self-rescue, so to speak. Calm under pressure. That was huge for them, you know, and and it's easy to kind of get freaked out, right? Naturally. But it seems like they really, like he said, you know, they looked at here's the task at hand. This is the one thing we have to do is to get this car out of here and we just have to do it. Um, you know, knowing when to stop and rest and giving yourself that time so you don't hurt yourself even further. I think you're right, Jim. I think that was absolutely huge for them. They did, they did a great job of knowing what to do when and taking the right steps to get out of there. And, you know, it, it worked out and they got out of there safe and sound. Two things that I'll add, Jamie, is just underscoring, you know, having a shovel in the car and supplies specifically mm-hmm. set aside for an emergency. Uh, so some extra water some blankets, you know, things that you might be able to store out of sight, out of mind in your vehicle, uh, you know, maybe in in a storage compartment or something like that, that kind of stuff. You're not going to be upset that you have it. And uh, if you ever need to use it, uh, my goodness, you're going to be happy about it. One additional item, you know, if you're doing a lot of exploration outside of kind of normal cell phone coverage areas, some sort of satellite messenger device or kind of emergency beacon that can allow you to kind of make an SOS notification, such as like a Garmin inReach or a a spot satellite communication device, uh, something like that, that allows you to alert authorities to your position if you don't have cell phone service. Again, one of those things that you are, you're not going to be upset to have if you ever have to use it. And just as a little bit of background on this story too, uh, Henry's mom knew exactly where they were going. They told them, you know, where, where the hot springs and the, the campground they wanted to go to, 
we first heard of this story when his mom put out a call on Facebook for help trying to find them uh, when they were missing. And they they knew how to, to send authorities to this, the roads they were traveling on. Of course, the problem being there's so much snow, it's hard for rescue crews to even get up there. So it, this was definitely not a case of no one knew where they were. People knew exactly where they were, but it was just really difficult for anyone to be able to get up and try to find them. As always, though, when you're going anywhere, let people know where you are. Um, that that is a huge. That goes a long way to you know helping make sure you're going to stay safe. Absolutely, Jamie. And and I'll just say on a personal note before we wrap things up, I'm impressed by Henry and Matisse and their partnership and their ability to uh, mm-hmm. you know get themselves out of this situation and seemingly have an okay time uh, while doing it. So uh, <laughs> props to you folks. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm really glad that everything worked out okay in the end. Absolutely, Jim. I loved how they were looking at the stars and just had kind of like a nice night eating their eggs Benedict and their, you know, fresh pasta and pesto. That It actually seemed like kind of a nice trip once the whole safety and, and fear of um, survival uh, is put aside. Well, and, and the upshot, of course, is that folks can learn a thing or two as well um, from their trip uh, as sideways as it may have gone there for a bit. So until next time, folks, here on the podcast, you can watch our videos on the Oregonians YouTube channel. Follow us on Instagram at Peak Northwest and view all of our travel and outdoors coverage on OregonLive.com slash travel. Please leave us a rating or review if you enjoy the show. And if you want to support this podcast and our local journalism, please consider a subscription to Oregon Live. You can find details, of course, at OregonLive.com slash pod support. This episode of the show is produced by me, Jim Ryan, alongside Jamie Hale and Elliot Noose. Stay safe and happy travels, everyone. Until next time, we leave you with this 10 seconds of Zen. <laughs>